I'm experimenting with uh, programming some fun music at the top of each episode now, so do me a favor and let me know what kind of music you like, and I just might put something together and throw it in. My, uh, my goal with this one was just to destroy your subs if you're listening in a car, so forgive me. Also, enjoy the sound of um, robots having what can best be described as a fistfight with machetes over the uh, last remaining chainsaw they're trying to eat as aggressively as possible. That was my inspiration for this loop, and uh, I witnessed that just the other day in my backyard. It happens. Robot violence is real, everyone. All right, time for a sponsor. Are you a musician? Do you or someone you know play guitar for a hobby or even a living? Do you suffer from not being able to express yourself creatively and have a burning desire to learn Wonderwall to play at your next party so people can witness just how deep and expressive you are through the gift of song? Or maybe, just maybe, you simply want to learn how to play for fun. It's just too expensive to get a guitar that sounds great and looks as good as the ones you see your favorite artists playing. Well, here's some good news. You don't have to sell your car to buy the last remaining acoustic that Elvis toured with from a museum, because I have a gift for you. Orangewood Guitars founded their brand to provide quality guitars at affordable prices by shipping them directly to their customers. That means no middleman, that means no extra markup. They cherish the guitar culture because it encompasses creativity, freedom, and expression, and that's exactly why they believe quality acoustic guitars should be accessible and affordable. You no longer have to choose between your budget and owning an instrument that sounds great and is as reliable as ones that are much more expensive. Whether you're a hobbyist, want to play for fun, you want to get into gigging, or you're a professional, you can rely on them to sound great, look great, and last whenever you travel. Visit orangewoodguitars.com and enter the code COFFEE10 when you check out to receive 10% off your order. And follow them on Instagram at Orangewood Guitars to keep up to date with the latest in their ever-expanding product line. That's orangewoodguitars.com, code COFFEE10, C-O-F-F-E-E-1-0 at checkout at orangewoodguitars.com. That's our sponsor. Enjoy the robots and stay with us for a great episode. It's coffee. It's comics. It's music. It's Nerds on Coffee. I, I, I just want to let everybody know that I want to spend this episode planning how we're going to do our live video TV episodes. I'm not for it. And Kyle didn't want to. I then said that we should spend this episode talking about the history of potatoes. He also denied me on that. Well, I actually didn't verbally deny you on that. You, you I, non- I denied Non-verbally me. denied yeah. you on that. But I'm not... I'm also like not against it. Like, if you want to pull up some stats right now, like, let me just pull up a fact right now. <laughs> like, let me just pull up. Like, let's where do this. They, where did let potatoes come from? No, no, no. no. Number one uh, fact about potatoes. And let's see what the Google Googler Google says. Oh, it's not putting anything up. Really? That's so sad. Hang on. Okay. Um, I also want to say that we did have an incredible meeting, all seriousness, about how we're going to expand Nerds on Coffee over the next 6 to 12 months. I mean, listen, you guys are consistently listening to us. God knows why, but we've taken that upon us to try to figure out a way to scale this, to merch, to live events, to video content. So with all that being said, Kyle, give our potato facts. (laughs) Well, first of all, I would like to point out that... um, the word potato comes from the Spanish word patata. <laughs> and in case you did not know, potatoes contain a variety of vitamins and minerals. 
Um, I did not know that. Based on 2010 statistics, China is the leading producer of potatoes. That's very scary to me. Uh, potatoes don't store very well after purchase, but they are relatively easy to grow. Well, that makes no sense. <laughs> well, how'd you... Why don't you unwrap the statement you just made? Well, they're What's easy, the difference they're easy between grow. purchasing them and growing them if they end up in your kitchen? Well, what they're saying is is that they don't store very well after you buy them, but they're easy to grow. A potato is still, like, potatoes have expirations on them because it's a perishable good just like anything I, I, else. I would say that if anyone listening to our podcast hasn't watched The Martian, you're an idiot. And two... Ah. I would say that that movie has proven to us that that is true because if you're on Mars and you're shit out of luck and the first thing that you decide to try to grow is a potato, yeah, it's probably an easy thing to grow. Super easy to grow, yeah. Um, I love this one. And then oh, this, by the um, way, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Mark, Mark Watney's a genius. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> I love that this is. I love that this is. Uh, okay, I was gonna do one more. I'm gonna do two more, and then I'm gonna not gonna talk about this anymore. Um, one of the things said: uh, potatoes are usually served hot, but sometimes cold in the form of potato chips or potato salad. I like that. That's a fact of just like okay, you're just you're running out. Um, the other one <laughs> says: French fries contain a lot of fat, so don't eat too many. That's just advice. That's, yeah, not, that's a not a fact about potato. But I will tell you that the extremely credible publication that I'm yanking all of these very relevant facts from is uh, sciencekids.com. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, and last the last thing I'm about- I'm at a science site for children. <laughs> the last thing about potatoes for this episode will be that the image for this episode will be Mr. Potato Head. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Uh, I'm very for that. I love Mr. Potato Head. Um, but I want to jump into, have we locked in starting the really awesome guitar uh, thing yet? Oh, with, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, we is that something that, we can talk about? We can talk about it. I would it. love for you to kind of talk, because I, I just love the fact that you have toured the world, um, and you've played on the biggest stages, and there's a guitar that retails for under a thousand dollars, probably under five hundred dollars, if my memory serves me. Um, actually, under three hundred dollars. That you deem suitable to use on those stages. I just think that's amazing. That is correct, Matthew. And I will go on to say I've actually gotten some flack for it in the industry from people not understanding why I choose that over other higher end or vintage instruments that are available to me. And my answer is very simple. I have gotten to the point where I want to support companies that make a quality product and make it affordable for people who want to access it and for people who want to learn how to play instruments, people who want to have things that they can take on the road that are reliable, that still sound good. And this is coming from before you say like, oh, well, but they're just not as good as other guitars or whatever. It's like, okay, uh, which by the way, I've had conversations with a lot of people like this over the years. I've had a lot of conversations on the internet with a lot of people like this over the years. And I've had a lot and of conversations and I've had, no, no, they're not all wrong, but they're ignorant because they don't know the other side of the argument that they're, that they're opposing. And so what I want to say is, is that if you're telling me that like you can't play a guitar that's a couple hundred bucks on the road, because it's not as good as an expensive one or a vintage one, then A, you're wrong. You're willfully ignorant because inexpensive instruments can be made very well and can be super usable. But the other side of the argument is is that a lot of people are like, well, you're just using them because they're cheap or like blah, 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 blah. 
I own more guitars than you. I own more boutique guitars than you, and I own more vintage guitars than you. And so, like, I have guitars in my studio that are just a portion of what I've owned and used on tour, and I'm telling you that of the, like, near probably $40,000 worth of instruments that I own just that I use regularly, I'm telling you it's less about the instrument and more about the player and more about the quality of how you know how to use your tools. That sounds like an erectile dysfunction ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not the size of the <laughs> wave in the ocean, but the... Oh, wait, what is this? What is, there was this quote from Big Mouth that was really funny. One of the characters on this Netflix animated show called Big Mouth, which is one of my most favorite things on the planet, uh, was like struggling with the fact that he had like a small, he's a prepubescent boy, by the way, and he was talking to the ghost of Prince and Duke Ellington about the fact that he's scared because he has a small penis and he is dating a girl that he thinks is going to give him a blowjob. And Prince gives him timely advice that's basically like, it's not the size of the wave, but the... Uh, but the motion in the ocean and the grace <laughs> and the grace in your base and the spasm in her chasm. <laughs> Amazing. I just love the fact that we're at a point in society to where someone can make an animated show about a 12-year-old boy who hasn't gone through puberty talking about his concerns about how small his penis is because he wants a, uh, a high school girl to give him a blowjob and he's getting advice from two dead people in his parents' attic. And that's okay. And it's not only is it okay and acceptable, it is outright hilarious so anyway um vaccinate your kids yeah you (laughs) don't have to spend a lot of money on an instrument um we recently brought on a company called orangewood guitars they're southern california company they make fantastic instruments um that are not expensive the guitar that i that matt was talking about that i've used a lot in sessions and on the road is like it's under 300 bucks like after tax shipping delivered landed and it's it works it's really good i've taken it into sessions with a lot of very prominent producers that work with you know a-list people and they're they're always impressed because like your go-tos are like vintage guitars your go-tos are high-end guitars boutique guitars because they're reliable because they have a unique character that's difficult to replicate and they are consistent and they've become the standard of what people come to expect to listen to and to use in and outside of the studio and touring but that does not necessarily mean that they're the only option and i would like to commend the company for making a product that is good enough to use in those situations that is not expensive and i want to reward that with my money and with my time and with my career because i actually believe in it and and for the record this was not an ad that they had asked. this isn't an ad they did not ask her to do this matt blindsided me with this question um like most good questions yeah no No, this is not an ad we will have an official ad they are a sponsor on a show we have an official ad that but we 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 both just find it incredible that companies in this amazing capitalistic tundra that we live in in America find ways to make products that don't impact quality but do impact price and yeah. it's just interesting to talk about um as a as a topic because at the end of the day anyone can buy the what Fendi's a big guitar brand right and spend Fender, Fender yeah. and spend what like 5 10 grand on a dope guitar maybe even more on oh, like no. the dopest now people aren't spending that kind of money on them but they'll spend you know 1500 bucks or right. spend 25 they'll spend 3 grand right. def- all day right. that's uh, 3 grand is pretty par for the course for a boutique or a custom instrument right. $3000 and, and, and if you can find something 10x cheaper that's suitable and not only suitable but a cool small business that we can promote 
that's a win. I 100% think it's a win, and I'm going to say one more thing because I don't want to make people who have opinions about this one way or the other feel bad for your opinions because at the end of the day, you're not wrong because you're going to use what makes you feel like you can do your job well, and I think that that's right. But what I am going to say is, is that as a professional, as someone who's provided for his family and worked as an active professional as a guitar player for 10 years now uh, in all aspects of the industry on all ends of it, I will say that it's your job to identify tools that you can use. And a lot of people are going to want to give you discounts or give you free stuff if you get to a certain point in your career. And you have to be selective because whenever you say, I'm going to take this piece of gear from this company and I'm going to put it on social media and I'm going to put it on stage and I'm going to put it on records, you're saying that you endorse that product and that you believe that that is good enough for other people to use because you're using it. That's what you're saying. And so my job is to find a guitar to me, I love finding things that are not expensive but that are made well and then proving to people that you can save your money and you don't have to spend a lot to get something that you can use. Having said that, you're not wrong if you want an expensive guitar. Again, I own several. You're not wrong if you want a vintage guitar or guitars that are hard to find. Again, I own several. But what I'm saying is, is that a professional... As someone who uses something that's less expensive, I now have taken on the responsibility of showing you through the quality of how I'm using this product and br like to bridge the gap between $300 and $3,000. I now have $2,700 worth of quality and concept to prove to you as to why I used this. And like I think that they do that well. And you should check them out. They're a sponsor on our show. Obviously, when you hear the ad um, at the beginnings and the ends of episodes, middles of episodes, when we talk about whatever, you'll get the promo code. Um, we'll talk more about it. You'll hear it. It's yeah, 300 bucks. Well, yeah, but that Even one. cheaper with that with, they have with some our of them. discount. Exactly, which you know, you'll hear in the ad or probably if I have it recorded in time, you will have heard it at the beginning of this episode. But um, yeah, you'll hear the whole spiel or will have already heard the whole spiel by the time I record that. Maybe the we'll do a fucking uh, giveaway. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll get a guitar mm -hmm. and say the best video of someone jamming out on one of these guitars that tags Nerds on Coffee gets one for free and we'll run a contest from September to November. Yeah, we will figure out the details and the entries and what we want, you know, kind of hoops we want people to jump through. But I like the idea of a giveaway. We'll talk more about it. This is not an official announcement of a giveaway, so definitely don't look for it's it right now. It's a Nerds on Coffee <laughs> semi-official. Yeah. I haven't talked to Kyle offline about this announcement. We've expressed, we've expressed interest. However, um, we, our, our team will get back to your team and we'll talk about it yeah, later. Formal invitation to follow. Save but the day. But we have talked about a few giveaways that I'm pretty excited about. This There's some Avengers stuff that we're thinking about doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I want to give a big shout out to Beyond the Stage magazine because if you checked out their August or July, sorry, their July issue, they gave us a big old uh, shout out, which was pretty fucking cool. That was great, yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're a good friend, but they um, they do these really cool giveaways to their fan base and uh, kind of put us onto the idea of maybe uh, you delinquents, if you listen to us and you actually spend time, maybe we should give you something back. So we're thinking about some cool items that are mostly Marvel-based to uh, to share with you. And more to come on that soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, I want to spend a little time today talking about um, Endgame, actually, um, because I don't know if you noticed, but since we did our last podcast, they actually officially eclipsed uh, James Cameron's uh, Avatar. Yeah. So now they are the number one uh, grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Which is wild. That's bananas. Um, and I did uh, rewatch it uh, like six times since it's come out on July 31st. <laughs> Amanda actual Amanda and I actually 
set aside time this week for her to watch it because she hasn't seen it yet. Um, and she we're hasn't. Do, she has not seen it yet. How um, dare her? I know. Uh, but she liked Infinity War. She loves Thor. She really loves Loki. Uh, but she loves Iron Man. She um, has characters that she really likes. She's seen a lot of the Marvel movies. She thinks they're super fun. She's not a fanatic, though. And so for her to have to wait this long to watch it is not even something that she's even thinking about. So when I remind her, like, hey, it's on iTunes now. She's like, cool. I'm excited to see it, and we set aside time, so it'll be. She's gonna the, cry. It'll be about the nine billionth time I've watched it, but yeah, no, she's I mean, definitely gonna full you, on crocodile tears. You, you went. I did. What is that? Oh, it's probably my sprinklers. Oh, Sorry. it is your sprinklers. Cool. Yeah. Um, honestly, Kyle, Kyle made a a note to stop the podcast right now, but I'm gonna just talk in hopes that he actually puts this in. So. We, we heard the sound outside of the recording studio that sounded like something was going through a pipe. So Kyle paused the podcast with his standardized clap to investigate, and we opened the door, and his sprinklers are monsooning onto his patio in which our friend Paul is trying to take a phone call, and he almost got drenched. And now Kyle's back. And I've been talking this whole time hoping that you'll actually not edit this out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is like every week I have to, like, uh, call my gardeners. And I'm just like, one of my sprinkler heads is shooting uh, so much water into the air that when I look at it, it's eclipsed my peripheral vision <laughs> into me thinking it's raining. That's how much it shoots out. I thought it was raining. It's not raining. Anyway. Anyway, what I was going to say is you, you, you eclipsed a... A feat that I don't think many people have or could do. And that is um, on the day that we were all in New York, you went to Endgame in the morning. You then went to record our Maxwell podcast. And then you came with us to see Endgame again. Yeah. So that means that in a... Like a 16-hour day, I gave seven of my hours then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 50% of my <laughs> consciousness was spent staring at that screen for How Endgame. How do you feel about that? I feel great. I chose to do it. I knew that it was going to be a long day, but I wanted to do it, and I'm happy that I did. And then let's also not gloss over the fact that after that, the next day, I went and saw it again. No, you didn't. Yeah. With I, who? You, do you need someone to go to the movies? Did you go you? again by yourself? Yeah, I go to the movies alone all the time. It's my, I didn't know that you did it's my this. my favorite thing to do. I, I, I do as well, but I didn't know that oh, you went. Oh, yeah, and I saw it again whenever I... Because we were... Uh, because we were... Excuse me. Oh, no, I, I think I went and saw it with Logan. We went to the next city because we were on tour. And right, like while yeah. we were in New York, we did that whole thing. But then Logan and I continued on, on tour, and then he hadn't seen it, so we went and saw it. Amazing. And I was like, cool, I've already seen it like a billion times. So... Um, I saw it three times in the theater as well. Yes. Not Fantastic. in a 48-hour period. Oh, sure. But I did see it in the theater four times, three I mean, times. I was pretty emotionally exhausted by the end of that. It got to the point to where I didn't even want to have a conversation with anyone because I was just like, eh. Like, I just need to, like, come down. Because the second, whenever I saw it that night, like, I saw it in the morning, like you said, and then I saw it later that night. And then later that night, whenever I was there, I wasn't really affected by anything because I was just so, like... Like it's like it's like a family member dying and then going to the funeral that night instead of having time to process and grieve and then plan. You know what I mean? It's like you watch Endgame and you're like, I'm super emotionally impacted right now. And then like eight hours later, you go watch it again. I um, 
I was watching a ton of bonus features, whatever, whatever, from a bunch of websites. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Iron Man dying was not the only ending they had filmed. They filmed mm. some pretty gruesome endings. Um, they filmed from the comics. They filmed the ending where Thanos rips Captain America's head off. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and then and then they were like, "We won't get a PG thirteen rating," <laughs> which is important. Yeah, the movie they would have not they would have not they would not have made more money than Avatar had they had an R rating. Exactly, definitely wouldn't have. But happened. they said that they fi- so what they said they did, and I'm not gonna lie, I I part of me wants them to like create this R rated like final piece, <laughs> yeah. but the story that they had created was, um, they were in 2014. Ebony Maw's taking time to synthesize the pin particle. While mm-hmm. he's doing that, Thanos goes to Earth, kills Captain America, takes the 2014 head of Captain America, goes back to a ship. Ebony Maw finalizes the pin particle. They go to 2019, and Thanos starts the battle by throwing Captain America's head at Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. That's unbelievable unreal that is unreal like and there's two there's there's two ways to respond to that right there the first one is for people to go well you should like oh my gosh yeah you should do that that's unbelievable why didn't you do that yes let's do that no Marvel is is as much as it is a comic book entity and as much as that has been like a niche market over the years they have bridged the gap between that and pop culture and they're still casting a wide net because they want a broad audience yes, they're not going iso- to isolate people with that kind of raw violence and graphic nature and uh, and outright dark storytelling because you still want kids to be able to come see this movie albeit I wouldn't take any kid like uh, like any kid like under like 8 or 10 to go see it but but here's but, the question is this is this a is this an opportunity for a company like Marvel to test um like a new medium, right? Like like what if alternate endings like that were on Disney Plus only and they yeah, filmed know. it all the way through like a sure. goosebumps and they were like here's the R-rated version of yeah. that story from the comics. Yeah, I don't know. I mean like I I don't think they're going to do that. I no, just No, they wouldn't. I'm asking you do you think could be though. It could be viable. Do Definitely. you think that the fans like would it add enough that people would be like, "Wow"? I don't know. It's hard to tell um, because the, the, because I, the graphic novels are for people listening that have only watched the MCU significantly. That's more what graphic. I was about to say. My second point, like the first one, is people being like, "Oh, you should make all the movies that dark," because some people feel that way. I think that's wrong because I think Marvel also needs to cater to the sensitivity of the fact that not everyone who likes these stories also wants to see a graphically violent movie, and I think that's fair. So the other way to respond to this is to go, well, absolutely, you shouldn't make it that dark at all because um, that's not the way that the story is. And that's super, super incorrect. Like Matt just said, the graphic novels are ridiculously dark and very I mean, very Doctor gruesome. Strange had his whole body ripped in half at one point. Yeah. Well, in Wolverine versus the Hulk... Oh, yeah. They, that-, that is super violent. Like, that graphic novel ends by Wolverine fighting the Hulk in a field and the incredible hulk rips wolverine in half and because wolverine doesn't die obviously from that he throws the two halves of his body miles apart across his field and then the book ends and you have to read the next one like they would never do that in the movie ever ever but the graphic novels 
can get away with anything. And they're extremely dark stories. They're also very well written. The narratives are great. The dialogue is great. Character development is great. And I, again, not that I'm going to soapbox about this, not that this was even the point of this conversation, but I've just grown weary of people dismissing comic books and graphic novels just because it's, um, like, it's, it's art, it's animated, or it's drawn, or there's not a lot of words on every page, but that doesn't change the fact that graphic novels sometimes, oftentimes get up into the eight, 900,000 page count. And like, sure, they may just be text bubbles, but like, that's a dense amount of context. Like, that's about a 300 page book, and it's well written. And I just hate the fact that people dismiss it simply because it's a comic book. Well, I think I think the problem is that the the word comic versus the word graphic novel have very like mm-hmm. if it's always just been a graphic novel throughout yeah. the ages, I think it would have a different connotation. Agreed, which is why I you know. Also, how much is a graphic novel? They can get up to like 50, 60 bucks. That's the problem. For a collection. Well, because a graphic novel, what a lot of people don't understand too, aside from aside from a couple of isolated stories, most graphic novels are actually collections of entire volumes of comics. And so, like, I have Infinity Gauntlet over on my shelf right now, and that's actually a, a like a sixteen comic collection. And so it's like you're collecting like 16 different comics that have been put together in the order of the story that it's written, and they put it together in one big book. Right. But see, those those need to be like 30 bucks for it to be viable, I think. Oh, yeah. I think I spent like, I think I spent like around 30-ish bucks on Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, um, no, but I'm saying like some of them can get up to that expensive mark depending on how they're published and like what like how relevant the subject matter is and like what kind of like if you're buying a hardback version, if you're buying like a deluxe edition. Uh, the other end of that is that you can get them like under 30 bucks, like The Watchmen, for example. Watchmen's a graphic novel. It's a standalone story. It goes all the way through and it reads beautifully and it's one of the best crime stories and investigator stories. Um, and detective stories that well, I've ever read. The um, Watchmen's unbelievable. Face? What's his face? Um, you're, talking about, uh, you're talking about um, what the dude that directed 300, Zack Snyder? No, no, the, I do the, love the Zack directed Snyder. No, I'm thinking what, what's the main character of uh, uh, Warshaw. Oh, uh, Rorschach. Rorschach, yeah. Yeah, Rorschach. So, yeah, the premise of The Watchmen is that Rorschach is a, is a detective, and he's an investigator, and he's investigating the deaths of all of his superhero friends that are happening over the years, and you are taken through the story through his journal entries. And so it's a really, really amazing way to go through that, which, by the way, by the way, I am going to go on a tangent for just a second oh, about The Watchmen. Let's go. I'm going to do it. I want to tell you something that I absolutely hate and that really pisses me off whenever— uh, and this is— Absolutely, what I'm about to say is 100% irrefutably fact-checkable. And there's no reason or room to disagree with me on what I'm about to say because it's not an opinion, because it's a fact. I'm going to tell, tell you my opinion first, and I'm going to back it up with a fact that is absolutely provable and researchable easily. Okay, lots of people did not like The Watchmen because they didn't think that it was a good movie. And a lot of people were like, well, the comic was better. Or, like, the comic, like, the graphic novel was different. I heard that from a lot of people. A lot of people. I read it online. I heard, and The Watchmen is not even something that's, like, it's, I love it. It's not relevant right now. It's not like that movie's been out. Like, that movie's been out for a long time now. Obviously, the the graphic novel's been out for even longer. It's not really on anyone's radar in terms of, like, it's it's not something that's current. It's so the fact that I'm bringing it up right now is purely because like we mentioned it and now I'm like getting pissed off thinking about all the dumb things people <laughs> said about it. But like a lot of people were just like they didn't like the movie and they were like, well, the comic was better. And to me, that 
instantly was a red flag that you're full of shit and you didn't read the comic. Here's how I know that. And here's where I'm getting into the factual part. Here's where I'm getting... If you didn't like the movie, first of all, you're not wrong because that's your opinion. And opinions can't be right or wrong. That's why they're opinions. So if you didn't like the movie, then that's okay. You just didn't like the story. But don't... But yeah. Delete your, my number from your phone. Yeah. Move on from knowing me forever. Uh, no. So if you didn't like the movie, that's fine. You didn't like it. You didn't like the story. But a lot of people said they didn't like it because they thought the comic was better. And that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard because the movie is honestly the most accurate retelling of a graphic novel I have ever seen. So you not liking it is fine. You don't have to like the story. And you don't have to like that story in film. I get some things don't transfer across multiple mediums. Some things read better. Other things watch better. I get that. But when you say the graphic novel was better, that proves to me that you didn't read it. You're just trying to be relevant and you're just trying to intellectually have a one-up over someone else by saying like, well, you're pushing your glasses up and be like, well, the book was better. Like, no, it wasn't. The book was identical. And here's how I know. I watched The Watchmen, thought it was a great movie, read The Watchmen, thought it was an incredible book, read The Watchmen again to fact check all of the things that I referenced in the movie, and then read The Watchmen and followed it along word for word with the movie and Aside from one scene, one scene, page for page in terms of dialogue, character development, art, storytelling, narrative structure, scene, plot, everything in The Watchmen, the Zack Snyder film, was identical to the graphic novel, aside from one scene. So that's why you can't disagree with me because it's fact checkable because I did it and you can do it too. You can spend $4 to rent the movie on iTunes. You can spend $25. You can buy the book yourself. You can read it and you can shut the fuck up. So that's what really bothers me about stuff like that. You liking it is not the issue, but you saying that the graphic novel is better is ridiculous because it's identical. And the one scene that's different is whenever Rorschach gets his mask back at the end, whenever it's seized, the line that he says whenever he's putting his mask back on was different. They made it cooler in the movie, obviously. That's fine. You get a pass for that. But in terms of all superhero movies, what I'm about to say does not mean that I think The Watchmen is the best superhero movie. It does not mean I think it's better that's than That's what another. he's saying. Yeah. Send hate mail. I don't. Please send hate mail, but that's not what I'm saying. Uh, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's better than every other superhero movie. What I am saying is it is the most accurate retelling of a book in any movie I've ever seen. Because I went through it page for page, and they, it, they basically didn't write a script. They just read the graphic novel and filmed it and acted it out. So take that for what it's worth. I'm sure most of you just don't care. But I said it anyway. I care. And that's the point of our show is by talking about things... <laughs> Holding you hostage with the hope that you're going to hear something interesting, and instead you hear what you just heard. And for that, I unapologetically say, this is Nerds on Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I... All right, it's time for a coffee break. We absolutely love talking without an end in sight, but we care about you. We care about your sanity, and you deserve to have a moment without Matt yelling at you to vaccinate every child you see on your morning commute. It's also time to hear from one of our incredible sponsors. Here at Nerds on Coffee, we care about the companies we bring on to support our show, and we try our best to only present products and services that we personally use and feel that you could use too. 
This coffee break is sponsored by Broglie Box. Broglie Box is an all-inclusive quarterly subscription box designed to promote optimal mental health and overall wellness. Each box is specially curated and includes full-size gift items such as essential oils, tools to combat stress and anxiety, coloring therapy books, candles, aromatherapy, journals, calendars, self-help guides, and more. The products in each box are sourced from well-known health and wellness brands as well as small independent crafters and artisans. Each box also includes a quarterly issue of Peace of Mind magazine. It features timely and useful articles, guides, and visual tools from a variety of published psychologists, psychiatrists, and mental health bloggers. Brugley Box is an all-encompassing resource kit for those who need to support themselves or want to help someone else no matter where they are in their mental health journey. It's never too early to start asking how you can take care of yourself, and Brugley Box can help. Seriously, don't wait. If you see someone struggling in any way, reach out. Make yourself available and do whatever you can to make them feel heard and supported. You just may save someone's life. Please don't ever write anything off as too small. I just want to say I purchased one for my wife and I wish I would have gotten the subscription. It's an incredibly well-designed box with things that are actually useful. I know Julia Brogley, she was a guest on our show, and she definitely put in the time to make sure each box is unique but still caters to every aspect of your mental and physical health. I use the jump rope and diffuser regularly, and the magazine is a fantastic resource to learn more about how to take care of yourself. Head on over to BrogleyBox.com to learn more about the company, Julia's own story, and enter Nerds10 when you check out for 10% off your first box. That's BrogleyBox.com, code Nerds10. That's B-R-O-G-L-I-E-B-O-X.com, code N-E-R-D-S-10. BrogleyBox.com, Nerds10. All right, that was our coffee break for today. Let's jump back into the episode. I'm going to get some KBBQ tonight. Oh, where? Are you going to go to uh, Quarters? In uh, K-Town? No, yeah, somewhere in K-Town. Nowhere. Yeah, okay, quarters is quarters so good. Is the it's, a, it's a little expensive, though. And it's hard to get into, like, on a busy night. Like, yeah. It's tough. It's like a long wait. Um, I'm just trying to think about what else is interesting to me right now. Um, guns. Guns are interesting. Mm. In what way? Well, these two shootings that happened this past weekend, one of them was in Paul's hometown. In El Paso or no, in Dayton? Dayton. He was oh, like, dude, man. I was at that coffee shop last week, he said. Golly. And my, 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 my take on it is this. I'm all about people owning guns. I have no, like, I think the idea that, like, we should stop someone from owning a gun is kind of silly, only from the standpoint that respectable people should be able to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I agree. My hiccup comes in the fact that the the legislation, the laws around them are very loose. Yeah. Like like for instance, you can go to a gun show and just get a gun without like really any background check. There's a lot of loopholes into being able to get them. So I think it's also like I think the idea of it being like Second Amendment is silly because mm. if you actually know the Second Amendment, it's the right to bear arms to revolt against your government in case that you believe the government is not doing you justice. Right. Well, Which let, is not relevant anymore. Well, let me be happen. very clear with anybody listening that's like, well, we should be able to do that. If you revolt against Washington, they will drone strike you. Yeah. Your guns are irrelevant. Well, and that, the amendments to the Constitution were also written when there were like 50,000 people in the country, and you can get away with stuff like that. That's not the case anymore when there's almost 400 million differently thinking people in this country. Like, they just 
does not work that way anymore. And so we have to find a way to work together. We have to find a way to make sense of everything that's happening while protecting the rights of reasonable and sane people and and preventing like unreasonable and insane people from doing egregious and horrible things like they've done this weekend and like they've done in the past. And so it's difficult to do that without assigning it to a political agenda or a political narrative that's being constructed through the media, which is what we see. And that's what's dangerous because yeah. what we've seen this weekend through the El Paso and Dayton through the El Paso and Dayton shootings is that people honestly don't really care about solving the problem. They care about using it as firepower. I understand that might be a poor choice of words right now, but they're trying to use it as leverage against someone that has the opposing opinion of them. And that's wrong. And, like, and, and inevitably, someone's going to call a false flag, which is going to discredit all the seriousness of what's happening. It's hard. I mean, I just think that it's very insensitive to use the things that happen in tragedies like this as... Uh, you know, again, leverage against people that do not share your same views and, and opinions about how to solve problems and about how to move forward in our society after these things happen. There's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of lots and lots of accusations being thrown across the political aisle. And in my opinion, very unfairly. Like, yeah. like I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I didn't vote for him. I think most of the things that come out of his I mouth are voted ridiculous. For Kyle Perrin. That's right, you did. Mm -hmm. uh, Kyle for president, twenty twenty four. Yeah, I'll skip the next. I'll skip the next one. Um, Why? Well, it's just about fundraising. Um, so, yeah. So hear this first, please. Please hear this first. I do not support almost everything that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. I don't think that everything that the man has ever said is awful just because he's an off-putting human that has said things that are very harmful and very wrong. I don't think that that discredits everything that comes out of his mouth. It makes it hard for me to trust his judgment and I have to listen longer to find something that I think is reasonable. Having said that, I don't support him and I'm not condoning his actions or the way that he speaks about things. However, he has been very unfairly blamed for these shootings. I think that it's wrong to say that Donald Trump is responsible for these shootings. Oh, uh, I would I think well, and here's here's why. Because whenever you have political rhetoric that can maybe inspire someone to act in an extremist way, that's not the same as inciting violence. And Donald Trump has I never agree with that. Donald Trump has never incited violence. But I will say, I will say this. Um, my only retort to that mm -hmm. is this is the consequence of a man who doesn't fully understand the power that he holds. I also agree with that. He you, also has not done his job in refuting these kinds of right. people so, and so, condemning their actions. Exactly. So so yeah. here's my thing. Yes, he did not incite the shootings. I agree with you. Yes. But over the course of the last two and a half years, he has been very whimsical about U.S. security internally, gun laws, etc., that can lead a mentally unstable person to believe that he is telling him to do this. I agree, which that's actually the point that Bernie Sanders made whenever he was asked about it. And so, obviously, people think that. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say, and I think that it's really hard to... I just I, think that Obama, prove, yeah. in, in his eight years, would never have given any any of the horrible shootings that happened during Obama's time. 
you would never have said Obama did something. Agreed. Or didn't do something that could have led to this situation. Yeah. And I think the important caveat to that statement is whether he did or didn't actually say something, you would never accuse him of that. Exactly. Because he's a Democrat. And mm, no, because well, he, because, because he's the a, media is a, a, a largely say, left, and they're not going to go after their own people. That I agree with. Right. But I also think that it's not necessarily because of his political party, but because sure. of the way in which he held himself. He's very articulate. He's very respectful. Yeah. He's very well spoken, and because he does not Fox provoke people. Couldn't even say that about him. Exactly. You even though, even though they probably reasonably could, because some of the things that he said in light of the uh, Dallas shooting against police officers could have been viewed the same way as things that Trump has said that helped inspire the line of thinking of people who committed the, the shootings in El Paso. But no one would accuse him of that because just because you say something that someone's inspired by does not mean that you are inciting violence. I think that's wrong to accuse Donald Trump of of inciting violence. I think it's wrong to hold him personally accountable for this, even though he has said a lot of things that have influenced these people. No, I agree with that. But He's that's not, not person, the same. He is not yeah. personally accountable for anything. Agreed. But as president of the United States, you need to... Watch the words you use or do not use 100% agree. Yeah. Tighter. Because yeah, agreed. Obama did the most drone strikes out of any president ever. Mainly oh, because definitely. mainly also because there were drones accessible to him. So that's like a misleading fact. Sure, sure. Because sure, sure. other presidents did not have drones accessible. Right. It's only been it's been like Bush Jr. on. Right. <laughs> like Clinton but, didn't even really have a lot of But with that being said, Obama never got talked negatively about it, even by Fox Media. Because of the way he held himself as Agreed. a person. Yeah, he because was elegant. He, he was, was elegant, right? And I think that these shootings are rude awakening to Trump as to what can be blamed to you as the leader of the free country, as of the free nation of the world, if you are not holding yourself to that level. Yeah. I think he had a because if you look at his press conference, it's pretty off the cuff and pretty angry about it. Yeah. I think it was a rude awakening that like he influences his party in mm -hmm. this in this rah rah way that has gotten him elected, but he also influences crazies, and he I don't does. think that I connected don't with him. Sure, until sure, sure, sure. This happened. Yeah, I agree, and I hope that it causes him to to take a little bit more to, to to hold himself a little bit more accountable for like how he's communicating. I agree. I think it's a lot less about what he's saying and and more of how he's saying it. Even though a lot of what he has said has been very wrong and damaging. So again, don't hear the 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 reasonable logic that I'm trying to apply to this conversation as me supporting and condoning Trump's actions because I don't. But I think that there is a double standard going on here in the media because the El Paso shooting is getting a lot more attention than the Dayton shooting because the El Paso shooting uh, had a manifesto attached to it that very, very, very aggressively identified with the alt-right and a lot of the things that Donald Trump has said. The Dayton shooting had a manifesto that was released that largely identified with personally Elizabeth Warren's views and a lot of the things that happen on the liberal left. So again, going back to my statement earlier, the media is largely liberal because a lot of those people live in large coastal cities, uh, large coastal cities, and a lot of them are Democrats. A lot of them vote blue. A lot of them are loyal to the party. A lot of them are extremely liberal. And again, you're not wrong for having any of those, any of those views, but you are wrong for being 
divisive in how you attack one political side without holding yourself accountable and equally attacking the other side. Or a third option that no one in the media considers, not attacking either side and being objective and talking about this and also not releasing the manifestos for everyone to read. Because I think one thing that we learned from the Charleston shooting is that when you release a manifesto that resonates with other people that are insidious by nature that want to inflict harm on others, you're going to inspire them. And the media is proliferating this behavior by releasing manifestos from these shooters, making them famous, saying their names, and giving them a platform, whether they are still alive or not, to show everyone their beliefs and why they did what they did. I think that's wrong, personally. I couldn't agree more. There's also statistics that support that, by the way. So if you disagree, I respect the fact that you disagree. But there's also, like, data that supports that, by the way. Because, unfortunately, we have enough mass shootings in this country to collect data from. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, and I actually have to go in a minute. Yeah, yeah, But to, to end on a point here, um, we have a very strict rule against negotiating with terrorists. Yeah. And I think that... Um, in 2019, uh, social currency is a form of reward. Mm-hmm. So when we post manifestos and when we share them, we are negotiating with terrorists and we're yeah. giving them the currency that they've demanded. Absolutely you are. And yeah. I think that that as a construct is an oxymoron to the very laws and ideologies that both the right and the left agree to, which is we do not negotiate with terrorists. And right now, when you post a manifesto like that and that goes viral on social media, that person got the ransom that he asked for. You just gave them a free pass on a world stage to tell everyone what they thought and why they did it. And again, as we've seen proof, empirical evidence and data that actually supports this uh, from the manifesto being released in Charleston and manifestos that were attached to mass shootings and murders that have been released since then have been linked back to that as a source of inspiration. So, again, I think everyone should issue a call to the media here to stop making these people famous and stop giving them a voice. Stop giving them a voice because you are inspiring other Again, insidious, dangerous, harmful, hurtful, hateful people to do what they want to do against innocent people in our society. And that's wrong. So don't buy into that. Don't share manifestos. Don't talk about the names of these people openly. It's not wrong to know them. It's not wrong to read it. But I think it's wrong for someone who's a part of the national media to funnel this out to everybody's TV, laptop, phone, and iPad. I agree. I think it's irresponsible. So It is. Having said that, it was a heavy weekend. And, you know, I I hate talking about things that are heavy on the show, but I also want to talk about things that are relevant, that are important and they're relevant. relevant. Yeah. It's very relevant to talk about this. And And it's very important for you guys to enjoy all of the laurels that Marvel and science fiction and movies provide you, but also realize that there's a real world of real issues and real situations that you should be, contributing member of society in whatever way that is for you but you should always take work hard play hard be fun be engaged yes 
I agree. Um, heavy, heavy subject matters are hard and like heavy stuff like this is really tough. And sometimes it's really hard for me to have to like have heavy subject matter and then go into something as upbeat as our outro music. So I'm not going to do an outro for this episode. I'm, I just want people to be able to resonate in the fact that something horrible happened and is continuing to happen in our country. And it can honestly be solved a lot by our leaders, but it's not right now. And so everyone can take responsibility and they can do something. If you see something, if you hear behavior, if you see any kind of behavior of anyone that is either suspicious or questionable or scary or dangerous, again, like one of these shooters who had hit lists and rape lists written on the walls of his bathroom and no one did a fucking thing about it, you can do a fucking thing about it. Don't sit back. I'm not saying that you are at fault or that you allow things to happen by standing by, but on the same side of the coin, you can prevent something by being proactive at speaking out against things like this and stepping in and not being afraid to say, hey, this could lead to something dangerous. Do you need help? Do you need care? Do you need support? Do you need legal intervention? Do you need police intervention? Do you need therapy? Something. Do something. Take responsibility. Be reverent to the things that are happening, but look for ways that you can affect change on your own because you can. I'm not saying that you're responsible for not saying anything or not stepping out against anything or doing it because you're not. Not everybody understands the way to step out against something. It's scary and it's not easy. Not everyone knows how, but try and find a way and you can take responsibility. So I'm not going to have any outro music. I just wanted to leave everyone with these thoughts and I hope that it's something that impacts you. And again, be reverent to what happened and think about ways that you can try and identify some of this behavior in someone else and and do something or say something that helps. Um, Thanks for listening and we will see you guys next episode.